0: This is a Mentality Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about healthy masculinities. I'm your host, Lao Chokan, and throughout this podcast, we're going to hear from a wide range of guests about the views and experience of manhood. We look at the bits we should celebrate, but also its messy parts. we having a bit of a laugh. Hi everyone, how is it going? I hope you're keeping well and enjoying the spring days wherever you're listening from. Here in London. Spring has finally settled in after a long, long winter. But also, thanks for sharing and engaging and reaching out following the last episode where I shared some self-reflections on empathy. And in June, I'm taking it up a notch by speaking with Andrew Bernard about the power of self-empathy. Also, in June, I'll be attending the Inside Out Awards that I've been mentioning in the past episodes for the two nominations for the Mental Health Awards where I've been nominated for the Future Leader Award and Mentoring Advocacy Network, the platform behind Mentality Podcast, has been nominated for the Best Men's Health Initiative. Absolutely amazing. And hopefully next time I'll have some positive updates to share. But if not, you know what? I'm absolutely humbled and grateful to make it so far. And thanks so much again for for your support. If you want to find out more about the awards until next time, connect with me on Instagram or Twitter at... M-A-N underscore mentoring. But also, don't forget to drop me a note about how you're doing, any comments about the podcast. Now that you know what's happening in June, let's return to today's episode. And I'm launching this episode on Mental Health Awareness Week, hashtag to help my anxiety. And I'm chatting with Carla Hope, the founder and CEO of Wellbright, covering the topic of money problems and mental health. And look at also practical ways to deal with both. We also explore some aspects of how men deal with money and unhealthy gender norms that can sometimes impact men's mental health. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Carla. Why don't we start to just welcome you and hear more about your background?
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, as you said... um... We're chatting um, ahead of Mental Health Awareness Week and the theme this year is anxiety. So I'm the founder of Wealthbrite and at Wealthbrite we work with individuals in their places of work to really help build their financial confidence and reduce financial stress. And actually in the context of Mental Health Awareness Week, we're really getting the message out to people about how much financial anxiety can really impact on people's mental health. So it's great to be here to have this conversation.
0: Absolutely, especially that unfortunately here in Britain, we're still stuck with a high inflation. So I can imagine uh, the cost of living uh, is on a lot of people's minds. What I find it tricky about the relationship between money and mental health is this kind of very dynamic relationship because worries about money triggers one's mental health issues. But it also, if one has a mental health issue, amplifies the way they manage their their finances. One thing that I picked up from uh, Money and Mental Health Institute's research that in England alone, around 1.5 million people are experiencing both problem with their mental health and finances that's quite staggering
1: yeah absolutely so you've you've kind of hit the nail on the head there when you said that actually there's this really dynamic relationship between mental health um and money worries, um money problems, and then obviously the other way around, it can be a bit of a vicious cycle. One can feed the other effectively. And then just to kind of comment on that statistic that you've pulled out um about the number of people who are kind of actively struggling with both money problems and mental health problems and the two being interlinked. Um yeah, I think that 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 resonates with me in terms of what we see in our day-to-day business. Um we consistently kind of ask people in work how they are feeling when it comes to money. We ask them how much they worry about money and what their symptoms are when they're worrying about money. And unfortunately, because of things like the cost of living crisis, because of economic uncertainty, because of, I guess, a lot of things that could be going on in people's lives. We really do have very high levels of financial anxiety amongst working populations. There has been some other research undertaken recently, which does confirm this point and actually points to money being the number one cause of stress and anxiety in working adults in the UK. So the problem is rife. And so I guess this is a great opportunity to not just talk about it so people can recognise it but also have a chat about what can people do if they are struggling with their mental health as a result of money problems or indeed dealing with money problems as a result of their mental health issues.
0: Absolutely. I think that's where I think the conversation would be great to, to go. Like some tools that people can, you know, leave at the end of this podcast. Like, okay, this is what I can do if I have some, some issues with my finances, but also equally, if my mental health is under pressure, what can I do to manage that? Can we maybe just kind of dissect it a bit and start, like, okay, let's have a look at how mental health affects one's relationship with the finances. And I was wondering, is anything that you picked up from your conversations with the people you've been in touch with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess. Just like you said, your mental health, your state of mental health or mental well-being can affect your relationship with money. So I think there's probably three or four areas that I would kind of highlight for people to be mindful of in this context. So the first one, I guess, is the fact that if you are feeling low or depressed, um, you may lack motivation to manage your money. So you might feel like uh, it's not really worth trying. Um, you may you may just not have that um, kind of drive or energy to go and assess what you're doing with your money and check it or do those sort of regular little checkups with your own money habits and you might not want to explore you know, what your personal relationship is with money, because it might bring up a lot of uncomfortable feelings that, frankly, you're just not in the state of the place to kind of deal with and manage. So that's one aspect where mental health can kind of maybe impact on your relationship. I think oftentimes a corollary of that is if you're feeling low and depressed or, or maybe feeling a bit down about your situation, it can be tempting to look for short-term highs And actually, one of the most common issues that people find when they're suffering with low mental health is that there's a temptation for overspending. I mean, I think whether or not you have a sort of persistent mental health concern, I think we can all relate To that kind of, I don't know, I know people who tell me about stories about uh, late night splurges on their phone if they're up awake at night and can't sleep. I know I've been guilty of like just dumping things into a shopping basket and knowing I can't really afford it. But then... In a moment, just going, yeah, I'll get it anyway, right? We do that because actually we're responding to a chemical boost that we get in the moment from that experience, right? And the challenge we have in modern day times is that there is very little friction in our systems that allow us to buy and purchase goods now so if you think everything can be done from your handheld device at a click of a button or or a swipe across your screen actually it's so easy for us to do this and and actually if you're in a situation where you've maybe already got a few money problems It can be made even easier because, of course, even if you don't have the cash, really, you can rely on all kinds of like um, purchase splitting mechanisms or payment splitting mechanisms that allow you to buy even if you don't have the means to afford it. So being aware of this kind of desire Let's just kind of reframe it. It's quite a natural thing to want to look for these kind of momentary highs. Um, I think where I guess, you know, if you were talking to a therapist or or perhaps a doctor, they might encourage you to look for the slightly healthier ways of achieving those sort of dopamine hits. Um, through exercise or whatever other means you can. But we need to acknowledge the fact that overspending is one of the sort of things that can happen when people are feeling low and depressed and they're looking for that kind of thing that makes them feel good about themselves. And then I guess just maybe thinking outside of those kind of purchase opportunities, actually there's a really real issue for some people, depending on the severity of their mental health problems, it could actually impact on their ability to work, So they may just be in a situation where they have reduced income as a result of their circumstances. And that can therefore limit them in terms of what they're able to do with the money they have available to them. And that, especially right now, when everything feels so expensive, can be really challenging. I think everyone's feeling the pinch, regardless of earnings. So if you are someone who is just not able to work as a result of their mental health problems, then that can probably really compound your feelings of feeling a little left out of the sort of um, everybody else's financial experience. Um, And that could have an impact, again, in terms of compounding some of the difficult feelings and emotions that you're dealing with. And then I guess you know, as a consequence of those feelings, you might just be more inclined to avoid dealing with some of those practical money issues. So whether that's uh, opening the envelopes that have arrived through the door. I know a lot of men I talk to who have been open with me about their personal financial journey have expressed just the fear and the shame associated with seeing red notices come through the door. It's not just something that's specific to men, um, but, you know, it can be that if you're suffering in these moments, you are going to avoid dealing with the practical side of the equation, because that's where I think as a summary, how mental health can impact money.
0: When it comes especially to the overspending that we are all guilty of, and it's that tendency, and you're right that we're looking for that Dopamine boost, like I bought a new pair of trainers, like look how great they are. You feel greater by yourself. But I think it's also the social pressure. For example, if I'm having, you know, some financial issues, then my friends are calling me like, let's have dinner tonight. I'm like inside of me, like, maybe not. Like maybe I could just have some something at home. But then obviously you want to be in touch with your friends and then okay, let's go out. And from you know, from one meal turns to another, and then things are just spiraling. And then when next day you look at your bank account and like, oops, I did it again. And also then because if we stay indoors, we kind of we seclude ourselves from our circle of friends, put more pressure also on our mental health because we isolate ourselves. So this is why it's such a vicious circle. As you said about the way we respond, because how it affects how we perform in our jobs, but also maybe we maybe have to be cutting our hours from full time to part time because we have to manage our mental health, then how mental health can affect our finances let's move on to the next point about how money can affect actually our mental health. So I'm curious to hear more about the the conversations you've been having. Yeah,
1: and I think one of those uh, situations is something you just touched on, which is this like external pressure, right? So this is something that we hear a lot We do a lot of work with professionals and young professionals in particular, and they may be earning decent money, but actually they feel an enormous amount of pressure to spend beyond their means. And why is that? It could be because there's a sort of a look or an image associated with their place of work that expects them to show up in a certain way, whether that is in the suits that have the labels, or actually I was having a chat with somebody recently who said for them, Actually, this um, switch now, post-pandemic, where actually we're a lot more relaxed in the workplace about what you can wear and how you show up. Yes, you're going into work fewer days in the week, perhaps, but when you are showing up, it's a bit like bringing up those feelings of anxiety around a non-uniform day at school, like who's wearing what, and there's an expectation to be kind of dressed appropriately. And what appropriate means will depend on your circumstances and where your place of work is. Yeah, it's interesting, these social pressures that can come and impact us. Just want to reflect on the fact that I do see people and hear about people kind of living much more in the moment at the minute. And why is that? I think it's a, again, it's a natural reaction to some of the very intense isolation that we experienced during the pandemic. So I know people who were kind of like, I know the pandemic now, actually, it was quite a long time ago. It's kind of crazy when we look back, it was quite a few years back now. But people have come out of it sort of with this like real desire to like maximise their experience in life. But like you commented on, it's, are we doing that mindfully? Have we, have we really got the means to be able to keep that up? Or are are we overextending ourselves and putting ourselves into a financially very insecure position as a result of overspending? That's that's a, a challenge I would put to people if they if they recognize themselves in that kind of
0: scenario. Totally agree. And as I was just thinking, like we don't have the kind of the mechanisms of what I like, for example, with, with Monzo, I mean I'm not making it advertised for, for Monzo, but sometimes they give a monthly report like you're spending more than you, for example, last month. So then it's a, it's a nice trigger to hey you know, you a bit on a high or vice versa, like you're spending less than last month. But I was wondering, are you familiar with any tools that we can implement?
1: Yeah, well, I would sort of come back to some of the experiences people might be having that can put them in these situations first and think about kind of like the three stages of prevention when it comes to problems right so we can either start to look at the sort of primary prevention situation which is stopping the problem ever occurring which in the current economic climate might be quite challenged because we can't I personally can't stop inflation from rising and not in my control you know acknowledging that actually that primary driver or cause of some of the money problems people are having we may not Able to solve ourselves. Then I think there's the secondary element, which is almost like, how can I help you cope in that situation? And then the third element is when it's gotten past a situation where you're not coping, and then we're actually in almost sort of firefighting mode and helping you manage with the crisis that's come as a result. So what we want to think about when we think about tools or tips or things that people can adopt in their lives to help manage the impact of financial problems and how they express themselves in their lives is not to wait until we're in the crisis mode. It's to kind of think one step back and say, how can I help myself cope? Let's think about that and I'll give you a couple of examples. So One of the ways that money problems can show up in people's lives, and this can be a really damaging impact to yourself, is sleepless nights. And we, I mean, I think probably most people are really familiar nowadays with just how important sleep is, not just at a sort of basic chemical and biological level to help us repair as human beings and help us really ensure that we're the best version of ourselves when we wake up, but also really goes to impact and affect our moods. I would really actually encourage people to look at whether there are any ways they could be more mindful to help themselves sleep better. So, you know, meditation is something that I think um, is a great place for people to start. It doesn't have to cost anything. (laughs) And by the way, meditation can mean different things to different people. I'm personally not a big fan, or I've really struggled with meditation in its classic sense of sort of just sitting and, allowing my thoughts to be and letting them come and go and acknowledging them, that for me has never been particularly effective because my brain likes to buzz. I actually use active meditation, so whether that is walking meditation or yoga as a meditation, and I think there's something that people can try. We're not going to say it's going to solve your money problems, but what we're talking about here is how can we start to assist ourselves to mitigate the damaging impacts of the Physical expression of these worries and anxieties and concerns that can show up in our lives because of money problems. So that's one thing. And then I guess the other thing I think is really important for us to say is that, of course, if you have money problems and they really are having a really damaging impact on your life, there can be so much shame and guilt associated with it, and that can really be a barrier for people seeking help if they need it. So again, when I talked about not waiting until a crisis has arisen to seek help, because that's often what happens, right? There's often some big event that happens in people's lives, and that's the catalyst for them to reach out to support systems. Actually, we really want to try and encourage people to think about exploring ways to engage with, you know, financial support, help or advisors before it gets to that crisis point. So, you know, there's a lot of free resources out there. Some that I would recommend and um, that are free for people and simple Google search will help you find these. So Mind, the mental health charity, they have a dedicated site specifically on mental health and money and the connection between the two. And they have, um, obviously, they have a lot of mental health experts that can talk on the specifics of helping you if you're dealing with money-driven mental health problems. The other place I might sort of recommend people to look is um, Step Change, which is a debt um, a debt charity that's specifically set up for people if they have problematic debt. Great free resource if you are someone who's in that situation. And then the last one I might mention is Citizens Advice Bureau. So done a lot of work in the last few years around supporting people with money problems, um, and they have a lot of free content online which you can use to educate yourself but they also have a number of drop-in clinics where you can actually go and meet with somebody and talk through your own personal circumstances if that is something that you would need support with
0: absolutely spot on when it comes to citizen advice a few years ago during the pandemic actually I've hosted a webinar with my platform, Mentoring and Advocacy Network, and we discussed especially about this, so like the relationship between mental health and finances. And one of the guests who provided support and tools about how to manage debt, especially, was from Citizen Advice. So like you're right, they're quite quite good and supportive on this, especially they have a lot of free resources. I think one point that I wanted to share, like sometimes it's important to acknowledge ourselves, but also when we maybe engage with other people who are going through a financial difficulty that rarely there's a single factor that drives people to have these financial issues or end up giving a big dent into their mental health because it can be a combination of social issues, life events, cognitive or personal personality factors that are all combined into the beautiful complex mix of who we are and where, where we are in our lives at the moment. So that's why I think it's important to, to acknowledge that. And also to have a bit of empathy with ourselves We've been through a really rough time with the the pandemic and I feel with myself, for example, I've noticed how it shaped me, how it changed me, the clothes I wear, but also my social interactions because we've been so isolated for such a long time. And then you can see that also the streets, the pubs, the restaurants, the, the venues are not buzzing as they used to do before the pandemic, which I think we kind of maybe got used to the so-called new normal. So I think it's important to acknowledge that, but I think also I like the free tools you just mentioned about how they can help us to prevent to get in a difficult situation and like what are the things that we can do to to you know, take a step back, have a break in order to get to crisis or, or event.
1: I think I would just reiterate the fact that uh, for anyone who's listening who might be dealing with some of those uncomfortable feelings around money, I just really encourage you to seek support or start talking to somebody. There's so much help that exists and is out there. So um, talking is definitely the first step to um, unlocking your own pathway to a more positive relationship with money.
0: One blog post that I actually put out recently, it's called Mental Health is Wealth. Mm. It's just a play of words. It's not so much like how you can manage your finances. But for me, it's that looking after your mental health, is a good investment in one's future and in life. Before we talk a bit about men and how we can maybe speak about more when it comes to these issues, they had a really nice research, especially on this issue last year. And the picture is a bit mixed. And for example, women with mental health problems are more likely to find a burden to keep up with the domestic bills or credits, Uh, for example, 59% compared to 52% of the men with mental health problems. You're absolutely spot on when it comes to speaking up about it and maybe finding help. NHS Digital shows that men with common mental health disorders like depression are less likely than women to, you know, to similar conditions to ask for help, I think is how we can maybe break down the stereotype that we men, first of all, we don't speak about our emotions, we don't share that. But also when it comes to finances, we need to project that You know, image of strong, financially secured, maybe at times, maybe you aren't, and you try to overcompensate entering to that to keep out that appearance. So, I'm curious, like, from your angle, like, what are the things that come across your way?
1: So, I think it's really interesting conversation when we talk about gender and money. Um, Because, actually, if you were to look at a lot of what is talked about, generally speaking, when it comes to gender and money, is typically within the context of how women both historically and still today, are financially less well off than men. Now, of course, all of that is true. (laughs) The the gender pay gap, the gender pension gap, the gender investment gap, they're all very real. And women have a particularly unique situation where they are looking, you know, they, they really do have to overcome this sort of the societal and systemic issues that are in place that cause them to, generally speaking, be in, lower earning roles and have less money and therefore less available to invest in their futures. That being said, I think when we work with uh, people, one of the things we do, and actually anyone who wants to do this themselves, they can Just go online and search for our money personality quiz. But we ask people to take part in this quiz because we start at WealthBright. We really lean into both the emotional and practical side of the money equation. And starting by recognizing your own personal upbringing and the impact that that has had on your relationship with money today is really important. And that goes for men and women alike. So I think when we think about how men may be dealing with money and their relationship with money, I think there is something to just recognize, okay, well, what was your upbringing? Uh, Because research shows that children as young as three can grasp basic money principles, and that actually most of our money habits are largely set in stone by the age of seven. Now, that might kind of blow your mind a little bit. But actually, when you think then, okay, so what were you doing or experiencing or observing as a child can really have an impact on your uh, later adult relationship with money. So, did you grow up in an environment where money felt very scarce? And has that impacted how you deal on a practical level with money? Maybe you're somebody who hoards and saves as a sort of response to that environment, or perhaps you have yourself. practice or a habit where um, actually in counteraction to that experience, maybe you spend more because actually you don't want to live in that mindset of scarcity. These are some just examples of how people may be brought up and how it could impact them the roles that are played by our parents when it comes to money management have a really lasting impact on us as adults. And so I think we need to recognise that the stereotypes that exist around men and the role they play in work and the family unit and in society, you know, that is going to have had an impact on a lot of men today in terms of what they tell themselves, the narratives they tell themselves about how they need to behave with money. So I guess, you know, what does that mean? It could be the perception that they really are measured by reference to their financial success. Are you a breadwinner? (laughs) You know, that old saying. Um, um, I think uh, the imagery that men are forced to consume is kind of quite different to women. So there's been quite a few interesting studies done recently to look at advertising that's focused towards women, which is tending to tell women, focusing on spending or saving, right? Whereas the imagery towards men tends to be around investing, entrepreneurialism, you know, highly paid uh, roles in the workplace. And actually what we hear in our work, when we work with individuals, we ask people about their level of confidence dealing with the financial system. We ask people about things they may want to learn more about. And what we find is actually a lot of this messaging that people are receiving, is quite intimidating. So, At the end of the day, we have to acknowledge that in the United Kingdom, unfortunately, financial education isn't a given in the school system. Some people in some schools may have access to some basic financial education, but it's not a standardised element of our schooling. So one of the things that I think men have to deal with is the imagery that's pointed in their direction. If you look at advertising and the messages that are fed to them through social media and other means. it tends to be imagery that focuses on the idea that a man is super successful financially. So this is a man who invests, it is a man who might be quite entrepreneurial, who's taking risks, but always succeeding nevertheless, right? And I think this does have an impact on how men uh, themselves experience the financial system and what they are more or less likely to do in the context of how they manage money. So, we know from data that more men than women have invested in things like crypto assets. And actually, when you look at the trends around crypto assets, it hasn't always been an, up- an upward trend. And so, lots of people have actually lost money as a result of investing in this like high risk volatile asset. And actually, it was more men than women that did. That. And why is that? I think there is something to be said about the level of advertising that's pushed towards men that tells them, you know, they need to be super successful to be to be seen as doing well, um, um, and taking risks as part of their personal financial journey, right? So I think for for men or so for some men, there is a question then for them about how do they deal with all of this noise that's being kind of focus towards them? How do they kind of try and filter out what makes sense for them and what they maybe want to ignore, right? And this is true for everything that we see online, right? There's always this, at the politically at the minute, this we have this over <laughs> overload of information. So it's how do you navigate through that and try and find the things that work for you? A recommendation I would make for men is to start by trying to find reliable sources of education. Find a way, and also find a way that works for you because not everybody learns in the same way. So learning might be looking at some of those resources we mentioned earlier. Learning might mean reading some of your blog posts um, so that they can get a bit more confident. But it could also be listening to books or reading books. I think every guy I've ever spoken to in the context or in the world of financial well-being has re- read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I don't know if you've come across this book it's almost like a bit of a a reading mecca for men in the context of like financial health and wealth and it's interesting to me anyway because even the title tells you like the imagery that's associated with men my point is you need to find a way that works for you when it comes to learning but educating yourself on kind of the ways of working with money that suit you is kind of what I would recommend people not just listening to the noise and and kind of responding or reacting to these stories and these narratives that men are told about what it means to be good or successful.
0: On that point, this is the problem when men can't live up to these expectations that are bombarded by society, it impacts their mental health, their self esteem and sense of identity, and then the vicious spiral kicks in. I think to your point, about for example stereotypes both about women and men women like you know they're not good with money they're like they're emotional when they the way they spend and i think that's absolutely not true because i've seen personal examples but also as it shows men can have the same instincts or the way they spend overspend with with money so i think it's important to demystify that and break that stereotype and um as, as you mentioned about men being the breadwinner it's important First, to help men develop a better relationship they have with their, you know, with their accounts, how they spend the money, and not unconsciously playing these traditional tropes about gender norms being the breadwinner. And I think it's important also to provide an alternative, that there are the ways that you can be a so-called provider in partnership, not just by earning. I came across a calm study they'd done quite a few years ago, showing that 87% of actually men want to spend more time with their children. And that's also mean being a stable partner in that relationship point you made about the gender pay gap. It's important for us men to be advocates of that because one thing that I actually talked in my previous episode doing some self-reflections on misogyny was like, well, look, this is affects women like and involuntarily affects us as men. Another point that I like to, to make like men who are from different ethnic backgrounds, like the element of culture, how maybe the relationship they have in their own culture with money, the way we relate to either our mental health issues, the way finances is very complex, and it's important to acknowledge that. Yeah, anyway, this was one point that I just wanted to uh, get off no, my chest.
1: I, I, that really resonates with me. And I kind of really just want to like, applaud what you're doing to really tackle this, damaging stereotype that all men are sort of tarred with the same brush right and I think this again the point about allyship uh, that men can play being an ally for women who uh, are dealing with um, gaps in relation to finances is a really important one and I think I'd actually actually go one step further right it's not just about men speaking out there are act- active ways that men can work to close these gaps so here's a really great example and something that a lot of people don't know so when it comes to pensions um when you're typically most people have a workplace pension if they're in work and what often happens is if women are on maternity leave or they take parental leave then they either stop or significantly reduce putting money into their pension obviously because they're not earning the same amount but what people don't realise is that anybody can contribute into your pension. <laughs> and I've been talking to some friends of mine and we were discussing that actually her uh, male partner, was actually during her maternity leave, putting money into her pension to keep not, not necessarily up to the same level that she would have got with employer contribution, but something to kind of keep that momentum going in a pension. Because of course, the thing with a pension is, it's an investment. And the beauty of investments is when you have compounding interest. And that means that your your the value of your investment is sort of growing and compounding over time. And investing is a long-term game and with pensions of course um the earlier you can start the better um uh, better chance you have for kind of reaching your financial goals for on retirement so that's a way where men can actually not just talk about it or be sort of supportive in the environment actually financially contribute to actually close some of these gaps
0: absolutely to put the money where the mouth is eh
1: ha, exactly <laughs> but i think the other point you make and i think i'd like to really highlight this one and maybe just take a moment to kind of pause and reflect on some of the really damaging and really sad stories that can come if men don't talk about money so I think talking about money in your relationship regardless of what type of relationship you have is so important because actually I mean really it is really sad when you look at the stories and there are unfortunately too many stories which you could look at to tell this Right. Um, there are unfortunately too many instances of men who have committed violence against their families and upon themselves. And the underlying cause, when we later find out, is they were in significant amount of debts, or they were almost bankrupt, or they were living a life and they didn't feel like they could tell their families about it. And they, they got to a stage where it was so extreme that they felt they had no other choice but to take their own lives. So I think, you know. Emotions of denial and anger and fear that are associated with talking about money. We do have to acknowledge them, but we also have to do our level best to encourage people to be open about this. And and I think one way of doing that is having these types of audiences, these conversations, and role models, male role models. So I would like to just do a call out if I can. At Wealthbright, we're actually launching a new money Talks series where we're showcasing role models within the legal profession, where we're getting senior members of the industry to take part in a effectively a money diary, right? Because younger people in the industry are telling us that's what they want to see. They want to hear from people who are further on in their careers and lives. And they want to know, what have they learned along the way? What can we learn from you? Um, Are you dealing with the same sort of issues that we are? We want to know about that. (laughs) And I really want to see more men take part. I have a long list of women who have put their hands up to take part. But I'm looking for more men. So if you are a man listening to this podcast and you happen to work in the legal industry or know somebody who does and you think you'd like to take part and be part of this change, I'd love to hear from you. But I think we need more of that, right? More male role models who will stand up and be prepared to break the money taboo and say, hey, you know what? Whether it's a positive or a learning experience that they're sharing those things all go to break the money taboo and make us all feel more comfortable about having conversations about how money and mental health are linked and how we're all facing it.
0: Absolutely great. I like the point you made about like how we can financially contribute like the example with the pension but also having more conversations in our friendship groups, you know, if you're dating somebody, have those conversations about finances before any major step in the relationship. I think it's important and not to be a taboo and I'm thinking even wider when it comes to for example how we how we look for jobs how we search for jobs I'm thinking from an employer perspective they should be able to advertise clearly first of all to break down the gender pay gap. Okay, we know what the salaries are. This is the salary. This is what you're going to get instead of being competitive. Because if I'm going to a job interview and they want me to tell the salary, I'm not going to tell them it's competitive. So all I'm saying is it's important to have those clearly advertised in order to allow us to be able to know what we're going for. But also having those conversations in a workplace in a way to just break the taboo. For example, speaking about culture, In Romania, like it's very common, at least, you know, used to be quite a few years back, people can share the salaries, but they would ask, how much do you earn? And you would tell them it wouldn't be, you know, a tabula. because being a secret, it's hard to deal with it, how to approach it, because everything is a bit, you know, hidden. Absolutely, I love the idea of like, how to create positive role models for men to look up to. But also speaking about stereotypes, what are some stereotypes about men that you dislike the most?
1: yeah I think this is a great question and a challenging one actually, when I was reflecting on it, but I think the the stereotype I landed on that I dislike the most is the fact that all men are the same um I think we touched on it briefly already that too often men get tarred with the same brush that the, there is one archetypal image of a man um, and that becomes a sort of inbuilt expectation of all men, and that goes for both sort of i guess work stereotypes but also some of the the tropes that we kind of associate with, I guess, toxic masculinity, um, or men that don't do this or don't do that. Um, So that's the thing I don't like that we kind of, unfortunately, the, the narratives still persist that all men are the same in one way or another when it comes to those stereotypes maybe just to kind of dive into it and sort of share maybe some examples of like positive male traits that I've sort of observed and experienced and where I think we can sort of come back to why that stereotype's so bad. It's just around this point about men not being open to talk about emotional topics. <laughs> I think you mentioned it already that, you know, women are often seen as the sort of the emotional ones, right? Um, and men, this, damaging stereotype of men sort of bottling everything up and not willing to talk. And I would say that for me in my own relationship, one of the most powerful things about our relationship and building a very positive one is the fact that we are willing to sit down as a couple and talk about how we feel not just about what we do or what we're doing or what we want to do. And actually, in, in my relationship, I am the doer. <laughs> so I am the person that tends to err on the side of talking about, like, the, the sort of plans and the activities and the actions and what are we doing about things. But actually, it's been, for me in my relationship, it's just really rewarding to be... Um, you know, in a relationship with a man who is willing to talk about his emotions. That has in turn built a culture in our home environment where we are more willing to talk about uncomfortable subjects, including the subject of money, which I have found really uncomfortable uh, because I have my own my own personal and emotional baggage. Bringing that to the table has been hard. We've had to manage through that for both sides, but mine as well. But the fact that as a unit... You know, We have a space where we have developed, and don't get me wrong, this has taken time and it does take practice, but we've developed a situation where we can talk about things and and I guess, you know, it starts with that acknowledgement that, you know, plenty of men out there are comfortable and are willing to talk about the emotional um, and therefore that's the stereotype I I dislike the most that says, you know, men fit into this one box of everything being closed up and they're not willing to share because it's just not
0: the truth. Very insightful and I appreciate, you know, opening up and sharing a bit about like you know your own relationship with money, but also with, with your partner. A topic that we haven't uh, touched upon but sometimes the trauma that we experience, this sometimes can affect our relationship with money. That doesn't have to be necessarily a financial link trauma, but then it manifests out how we spend our money. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. And although I have to say that obviously I'm not playing in that hashtag, not all men, because I think we have to take accountability as men. So it's that dynamic between, yes, we are different and not all men commit this or do this or relate to women this way, or but we have to be in a way to own that. Unfortunately, the legacy we've been given and we have to work with it. We can't just brush into the carpet. Just to sum that up, it's great to hear a positive example of of a man, you know, who's you know willing to talk about money in his relationship. He's willing to speak about emotions. So thank you for sharing that. And you kind of alluded a bit to that kind of healthy traits about masculinity. Any ideas about some healthy traits about uh, masculinity and healthy masculinity from from your perspective?
1: And um, I guess I'd just say willingness to learn is something that I kind of observe as a real healthy trait and I see this a lot in my male friendships particularly those who are a bit younger so I have a lot of male friends who actually are quite active in the sort of world of financial advice or financial um, coaching and financial health and it's great to see that there's this like real abundance of uh, men who are just really excited about the world of sharing their stories about money giving people pointers, tips, helping others learn and reaching out to their peers to say, hey, well, look, this is what I've learned. You can learn that too. And I just think uh, maybe it's a generational thing. It probably is. But I think there's this real buzz of excitement around such a younger audience of men who are just like really open and excited to share knowledge between each other. And I think that's needs to be celebrated um because so i think that's a really great environment for others not just men to kind of engage with these conversations about money and again it comes back to just like changing this culture that is very prevalent in the british society where we don't talk about money and actually i see that i already see that being changed within like a sort of a, the sort of people who are in their sort of gen z millennial environment where i see actually people are much more willing to talk about things so i think yeah that's the other thing i would just sort of point out is positive traits
0: before we go first of all thank you so much for for being here thank you for the wealth of insight that you shared about finances men's interaction with finances as well but if people want to learn more about you know wealth bright about yourself is there anywhere where they can just go and look it up
1: yeah so we're at wealthbright.co.uk. that's our website um if you go there you can get hold of um some free tools so i mentioned the money personality quiz that you can find you can kind of discover who you are and you'll get a little tip back um and we also have a free budgeting tool for anybody that maybe wants to get started with some of the nitty-gritty work of looking at their ins and outs when it comes to money so yeah you can go and grab that as well but otherwise you can follow us on
0: instagram Thank you for tuning in to this great conversation on money problems and mental health with Carla. Don't forget to check out the free resources in the caption of this episode. Also, don't forget to follow, like, and share the podcast with your mates. Until next time, where I'll be speaking with Bernie about the power of self-empathy. Stay tuned and keep listening to Mentality Podcast.